everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Don't go in there and fight for yourself and let your own pride and ego hold you back if you don't, if you get rebuffed. Fight for your ideas because I'll make a better decision with the benefit of those ideas. Those words of wisdom are from Valerie Jarrett. And when Valerie talks, it pays to listen. During the Obama administration, she was considered one of the most powerful people in Washington. And she continues to have an outsized impact on public life. I'm Milan Revere, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. From 2009 to 2017, Valerie Jarrett distinguished herself as the longest-serving advisor to President Obama. She also chaired the White House Council on Women and Girls. After leaving Washington, she was named a senior fellow at the University of Chicago Law School, and she helped launch When We All Vote, a nonpartisan organization that she and Michelle Obama created to increase voter participation among young people and people of color. Valerie is also the author of the best-selling memoir, Finding My Voice. She and I talked at a Seneca Women Forum, which took place during the run-up to this year's 100th anniversary of American women getting the right to vote. Listen and learn why Valerie Jarrett is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. Welcome, my friend, Valerie Jarrett. Valerie was the longest-serving senior advisor to President Obama. Among her multiple roles, one that I worked with her closely on was the Council on Women and Girls, and a lot did get accomplished. Today, she is the senior advisor to the Obama Foundation and the chair 
of When We All Vote. She is also the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Finding My Voice, A Journey to the West Wing and the Path Forward. So, Valerie, we're coming up, as you heard, and as you well know, to the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in the United States and the 25th anniversary on the Beijing Conference. What is your sense at this anniversary moment? Are we doing better? And especially in terms of women's leadership. Well, we are doing better, but we still have a very, very long way to go. By almost every possible metric, women and girls are still lagging. One important one, though, where we are making progress, and it's a, it's a key one, is education. We're graduating from college at a higher rate than men now, and we're half the population. But we all know as soon as we enter the workforce, there are barriers, both structural and cultural barriers, that come to work. And so the question becomes, what are we going to do to remove those barriers? And one of the many lessons I learned my eight years in Washington is that people who are in power actually like power. And they're not inclined to want to give it up. And the only way you can try to do that is to have a coalition of the willing and not talk about these issues any longer as a nice to do or the right thing to do, but frankly, as a business imperative for businesses in the United States that want to be globally competitive. And of course, the same thing applies to everyone else. You can live anywhere, work anywhere, and be productive. And the only way we're going to compete is to both attract and retain the most talented people. And right now, there are obstacles to us doing that. But I guess one message, and this kind of comes full circle to coming up on the 100th anniversary, is that change takes time. And it takes a relentless amount of hard work. It takes broadening the universe of people that we include in this struggle far beyond those who are directly impacted, but to get those who are indirectly impacted to appreciate that affects their lives too. And I would close this question perhaps by saying to you, one year for my birthday, President Obama gave me a copy of the Petition for Universal Suffrage, hmm. which was signed in 1866. And alongside of it was the resolution introduced to Congress uh, to give women the right to vote, which was introduced in May of uh, 1919. 53 years. And so if you think about the women who were out there demonstrating and being imprisoned and hunger strikes and having their husbands pretty ticked off at them, at the beginning of that journey, many of them didn't see the finish line. And I think part of what we have to help people understand is, is that this takes time and relentless effort, and we need those thunderbolts. And I think, for example, the Me Too movement was a thunderbolt dealing with culture. And the question is, how do we keep putting our foot on the pedal to keep that progress changing? And you're exactly right. We need to accelerate that progress, which is what we're all about here as we gather. So how did you see this progress in your own life? Because clearly you've been on a trajectory. Yeah, in a sense, a, a trailblazer in a lot of ways. Uh, I will say one thing I figured out after six years is to work in a culture where I could thrive. And I was fortunate because I had choices and there are far too many women and girls who do not have choices. And therefore, it's up to the rest of us to advocate for them. But once I figured out, and sorry if I'm offending anybody at a big law firm, but once I figured out the big <laughs> law firm was actually not for me uh, and began to work in an environment where I could be my whole self and I didn't have to pretend. When I was in a law firm and I was nine months pregnant, I was trying to pretend I wasn't pregnant. Well, I gained 90 pounds. I was pregnant. Right. So You obviously didn't succeed in uh, pretending. I did not succeed. Everybody knew it. But I thought if I talked about it and after my daughter was born, if I talked about her that people would not take me so seriously. 
And I think that is, that's wrong, but yet that is still the case in far too many places of employment. And I actually believe that when you make yourself vulnerable and you say what you need, if you are in a position to do so, then it's a teaching moment. And I think too often we expect people to read our minds and recognize that when you're nine months pregnant, you go to the bathroom a lot, right? Uh, but nobody wants to talk about it. Or in my book, I talk about menopause. You know what, guys? It's a reality of our lives. And we shouldn't be shying away from expressing what's different about us and what our needs are. And it's not just women. It's working families, right? <laughs> working families. My son-in-law is much more engaged with my grandson, my brand new grandson's life, than my husband was in mine. Or my dad, who was a great dad, was in mine. And so I think part of it is understanding that in this new environment, fortunately, men and women should be treating, be treated on par and equal if we're going to compete. So one of my big policy positions that I've been talking about lately is paid leave. First of all, we're the only developed country in the world. We are the only developed country in the world that doesn't have one. But why do we have when we do have it? Why is there a difference between what women and men have? Don't we want our men to be equal partners? And why are women taking off, let's say, three and four months or six months, which they should, but why are we not thinking about men in the same vein? And if we really want a level playing field, those are the kinds of conversations I think we should be having. And that is good progress, talking about what your son-in-law is doing that you didn't see, you know, in earlier generations. Uh, and I find that men are realizing more and more when they are in those settings with their newborn, uh, they, they are realizing benefits they never, uh, they never felt before or understood. But they have so, to be in a work environment where it's you can't possible. just have a policy on it's the books. It's possible. People have to live it or you, the policy means nothing. But the benefits are all there if we Absolutely. would just uh, realize that. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. 
Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. You know, at the uh, first Equal Rights Convention, Women's Rights Convention back in 1848, I think it was, um, the women were pretty scandalous in some ways. Uh, one was the fact that they were speaking out when women were not supposed to speak publicly. So again, some change. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, one of the things you have written about and spoken about is the need for women to use their voice and to speak out. Uh, when they are in positions where it can have impact. Why is that so important? Because we don't often realize that that could make such a difference. Well, I think part of it is we're afraid to speak out. I know, and this is one way I hope it has changed, that uh, when I was younger, young working mom, I was afraid that if I talked about my daughter, people wouldn't take me as seriously. And what I grew to understand as I became a manager is that when my team told me what was going on in their lives, it, was, it would enabled me to bring out the best in them, and it developed a level of vulnerability and relationship that actually made them more productive and me a better manager. And so I think when you go into it, realizing that if you open up and talk about what's going on, rather than expecting people to read your minds, there's a moment that they can actually learn something. And it is on us to teach. We can't just expect them to clairvoyantly know what we need. And I think it's also helpful when we get academics to do research and begin to show that, for example, there's mounting research that shows that employers who focus on issues like equal pay and raising the minimum wage and workplace flexibility, paid leave, paid sick days, affordable childcare, a culture free from sexual harassment, that they have a more productive workforce, a more efficient workforce, a loyaler workforce in the private sector, more profitable. And the better we can make the business case for it, I think then it is enlightened self-interest and people are willing to not as much like give you their power, but certainly share and appreciate the fundamental proposition that diversity is a strength. And if you go into it, assuming diversity is a strength and that you will make better decisions as a CEO or a manager, if you're not simply being uh, in an echo chamber with people with your own life experiences, then you realize it's in your enlightened self-interest to work at achieving the diversity that you need in your workplace. Well, I think you've said that so well. Um, in fact, it's an evidence-based case today, yes. and there's plenty of data to uh, uphold what you just said. Uh, and that is, it's a win-win. It's a win for business, and it's a win for a better world. Exactly. Uh, so thank you for saying that. Now, when you were in the White House, you did many wonderful things. Thank you. Uh, they were tough times, as always. Uh, it is having also been in the White House for eight years in a different administration. Uh, but it's not an easy job. And I thought one of the great things you did for the women, and to teach a lesson to the guys, was amplification. <laughs> what precipitated that, and what did it result in? I'm glad you asked me that, because I think there was a Washington Post story about this that probably gave us credit from being more deliberate than we were, but I think the way we did it was the best way. So I began to notice 
a few months in, and I, I take a step back to remind you, when President Obama was elected, our economy was in a free fall. The banks were, big banks were on the verge of collapse. Millions of people were losing their homes and their jobs. And we had two wars going on. There was a lot going on. Let's just say that. And so tension was high. We were all new. None of us had worked together in that setting before. And we were, as we used to say, driving off a 747 at the same time as we were trying to put gas in the, uh, if you can imagine <laughs> that. So I began to notice early on, not so much in meetings with President Obama, but in our senior staff meetings, that the women's voices were shrinking. And it troubled me. And I knew how important it was to the president that he have this robust group of advisors with different expertises and life experiences um, weighing in on critical matters. And so I mentioned it to him. And he said, well, that's not acceptable. And I, he's like, what's going on? I said, all the same things that always go on in a workplace where you have men and women. And uh, he said, but that's not the culture I want in this White House. And I realized that people come to each job with the experiences that they had before to bear. And they couldn't read his mind and say, it's going to be different here. And there were a lot of loud voices, let's face it. Um, and so he said, well, let's have everybody over for dinner. So he invited the senior women, about 12 of us over for dinner. And he asked each one of them to go around and explain what the issue was. And I had gone to each of them ahead of time. And I said, you better speak up. Because if you go in there, <laughs> as you are wont to do, people are wont to do, yes, Mr. President, everything's just fine. Then I will look stupid. And I don't really care to look stupid. So fortunately, they were quite forthcoming. And he listened so closely. And it was the same day as the Fort Hood um, massacre. And so it was terrible to have this kind of a crisis on our own military base. And the president had been in the Situation Room all day. And some of the women thought, well, he probably won't come. I said, no, he'll come because this is important to him. So what I remember most is that at the end, he said, look, this is a White House. I know it's tense. I know we have a lot going on. But you're here for a reason. You're here because I need your voices. So don't go in there and fight for yourself and let your own pride and ego hold you back if you, don't, if you get rebuffed. Fight for your ideas, because I'll make a better decision with the benefit of those ideas. Right? How empowering was that? You tell a group of women that they need to go in there and fight, because that's what the leader of the free world has asked you to do. It was amazing. So at the end of the dinner, he goes, look, culture takes a minute. I'm going to work on this, but I want you to come back to me if you don't think we're making progress, because we're going to get this right. And so then I started inviting the women to dinner, and we had our own dinners without him. And at the end of the, each dinner, I would say, um, do we need to have another dinner with the president? And they go, no, no, we're, we're good. And the reason we were good is that we got to know each other. We mm. told our stories, our children, our parents, uh, our life dreams, where we'd been before, and we developed a relationship with one another. When you go into a meeting and you see somebody around the table who you just had dinner with the, light, the night before, and they know you you are much more confident about speaking up, right? And people thought we orchestrated this to like amplify each other's voices, but it actually happened quite organically because we cared about each other. And if somebody's hanging out there on a sentence and nobody's listening and you care about that person, you'll say to the room, well, wait a minute, what about what Milan just said? And I think so there is safety in numbers, but there's also safety in relationships. And it can't just be the women, <coughs> though that was really important. It has to be the men too. At the end of the first term, somebody said to President Obama, how do you compare how you started out to the end of your first term? And he said, at the beginning, I had the absolute best players on the field because that's what we needed. He said, at the end of the first term, I had the best team. Wow. it's a great statement. Right? And that yeah. takes a while to build. And I think what we have to do is be intentional about building it and not expect it just happen because you think it. Excellent. 
And I think this um, last statement that you made about using one's voice and um, really saying what you need and you see needs to be done is really very, very good advice. Well, thank you so for thank your leadership, you. Milan. Thank you, everyone who's here. You're a coalition of the winning, and we appreciate it. You see why Valerie is so impactful. Here are three things I took away from that conversation. First, Valerie reminds us that equality for women should mean equality for everyone. One example she shares is the value of parental leave for both parents. When men are equal partners in parenting, children and the entire family benefit. Second, Valerie shows the importance of being authentically who you are, wherever you are. As a manager, she learned that empowering people to talk about their lives creates a level of vulnerability and relationship that actually makes them better at their jobs. Finally, Valerie reveals that we grow stronger when we find our voice and use it. The world needs women's ideas and points of view, and you can help ensure women get heard by amplifying the voices of the women around you. Tune in next Tuesday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. If you'd like to join the Seneca Women Network, go to SenecaWomen.com. There you'll get access to exclusive events and workshops, plus updates on new podcasts and other opportunities to get involved. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.